0: What has happened? Welcome back to episode 68 of Skates at the Stakes. Big win in Vegas. We have a few games to cover, but boys, let's get right into it. How are we feeling at one twenty-seven in the morning of Sunday, day of the World Cup Final as well?
1: Yeah, hey everyone. Excited to be on the pod tonight. Uh, great win over Vegas. We just finished off. The beginning of our road trip uh we went 1-1-1 one, one, one this week you know decent performance against the Bruins absolute shitter against the Coyotes and then tonight a pretty strong performance but ready to get into it excited to give you your uh weekly drop of Islanders content for the week just uh, excited to get into it all right um so Jacob how you doing good
2: man uh if you're good just uh watched the game with AJ a couple other buddies um Great game. Full 180 from last night. Um, a lot of fans not knowing how they're feeling after last night because obviously a confusing game. Coming into the game, a couple injuries announced that we'll get into. It. And they won the game. It was a great game. Had a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, we'll get into it.
0: A straight 1-1-1 one, one, and one in our last three. Uh, our first loser point in a shootout against Boston. I we'll get into that game in a little bit. But all in all... Three points out of six isn't terrible, considering the circumstances that we've been going through with more injuries we got to break down, with Pellet getting injured and Palmieri getting injured again, Clutterbuck being out, like I said, we'll get into it, but I'm not too upset right now. There's some on-ice issues that they really have to focus on, we'll get into it, but I think we can just start nice and easy and get right into the Boston game. Do we agree?
1: Yep, sure
2: thing. Jake, uh, why don't you break down the Boston game for us? Yep, Tuesday night at TD Garden to start the road trip. It was the islanders the Bruins' goaltending matchup was Linus Olmark and Simeon Barlamov. Uh, I believe they threw him out there because he has success against the Bruins. Um, and yeah, uh, first period, right off the bat, six minutes in, Jake DeBrusque on the power play, assisted by McAvoy and Pashinak. Owners kind of controlled the first five minutes. Uh, I believe they missed a few. I missed this game. I missed the first two periods, I should say. But from what AJ was telling me, they missed a few easy chances, and then they took a penalty, and Jake DeBrus scored. And 20 seconds later, Jake DeBrusque with his second of the game, assisted by Pavel Zaka and Tara Hall. And then three minutes after that, at the nine-minute mark, Noah Dobson shot from the point, tipped by Josh Bailey for his fifth, hit it 2-1 at the end of the first uh, I believe shots were 9-8 Islanders, so pretty close period. Second period, jo- uh, Noah Dobson ties the game off of Josh Bailey. Assist also by Brock Nelson. So He has two points. Dobson has two points. Bailey has two points. Tie game. And shorthanded, Derek Forbert, Forbert whatever, second of the game, shorthanded, assisted by Dubrovsk and Pablo Zaka to make it 3-2. Shots that period were 10-8 Bruins. And then with four minutes to go, Sebi assist to Casis Azekis for his second of the year. Four minutes in that tied it. And that ended that period of going into overtime shots were again very close. 9-8 Bruins. Um overtime happened. It was a lot uh shots were 6-1 Boston. They controlled that overtime, but they got out of it. Uh shootout happened, I believe. They shot first. Charlie Coyle stopped by Varama. Then Barzell uh got his and then DeBrush scored. Nelson missed. Pasta scored and Lane Lambert sent out Josh Bailey to try and keep it going. Yeah, a lot of people are debating on Twitter if sending Josh Bailey out was a good choice or not. I know he's technically the most successful guy. A lot of people want Albert Walsh, a lot of people want Simon Holm, that's not, it's never happening. But again, you take the loser point. Uh, you see the Rangers are ahead of us right now because they have those six loser points. We didn't have any. Uh, so I'm definitely glad you coming to Boston with Cal quarterback on the second line in Boston against the second-best team in hockey at that point. Get a point. Not mad about it at all. They played well. Uh, Obviously, shootouts suck. So, we move on to Thursday. But I'm sure we want to talk about this game a little bit.
0: Yeah. I mean, we had Cal Clutterbuck and Josh Bailey on the second line, and we got a point out of it. How mad could he really be? They played well. They played hard. They played... Good Islander Hockey. They worked their ass off, and I was really proud of their performance. I thought they looked very good. uh, he was scaring me a lot. He did the whole thing where he kept on looking behind his shoulder after every shot, and I cannot stand when he does that, because it just shows he doesn't have any confidence. He did not do that tonight, thankfully, but I hate when he just looks over his shoulder after every shot, looking if it went in like, my brother in Christ, you're the goaltender, tend the goal. Ryan, how do you feel?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, I, I didn't have very high expectations for this game. Recently, of the past, like, two years, we played very good against Boston. We used to never beat Boston, but, like, starting in the 2020 season, we've really had their numbers since then. So that was cool, um, just that we got to play them. Great game by Bailey, great game by Dobson. couple of good performances. Like, Varlamov, I get what you're saying there. He looked shaky, but on the other end, Linus Olmark, one of the best goalies in the league, also looked shaky. So. It's really just, like, how Varley's style is at this point. He even looked a little shaky tonight, even though he had a kind of a shutout at five-on-five, five, gave up two power play goals that weren't really on him. But, yeah, like, uh, at the end of the day, it's it's a point in the bag. We could have got a free point if we put anyone but Josh Bailey there in the shootout. Um, I think Bailey probably – like, they you know, they know their stuff, the coaches. They have the historical shooting percentage, maybe – Maybe Bailey does good on Monday night shootouts. Who who knows? But they went with Bailey instead of anyone else on the team, and Bailey just kind of skated the puck at Allmark and then fired it at him, which was really lame way to end the game. But, yeah, I mean, like, it's totally fine. I I think it's fine to take a point off Boston on the road. Hopefully we beat them at home later in the season, kind of assert our dominance over them. But... You know, it, it was like all in all as a gaming as one of the top teams in the the top team in the league right now, I believe Boston is. Um, I think it was a fine performance for what it was.
0: Yeah, really no complaints for me. It could have been a lot worse. We were expecting a lot worse, which is the most important thing. And it ended up being fine. They got a point out of it. First loser point of the year, which sucks, but when we got to the shootout, I really did not expect to win. Look at all the guys Boston have. Look at all the guys we don't have. You know what? We don't have the Posternox. We don't have the Marshans. Jake DeBrusque also scored two goals. I know one of them went in off Bailey, but still. His shootout goal was very nice. posters was incredible. People are giving Josh Bailey a lot of crap about his shootout uh, move. I really don't think it was that bad. We all saw what he was trying to do. I think people are being babies about it because it's Josh Bailey. If he scores that, everyone's, you know hyping him up, and like, oh my god, Josh Bailey, the elite shootout guy. Even though he's not elite, he's shooting at, like, I think a 30% rate, which is below average, mid, at best. But, everyone knew Bailey was going there. You're kidding yourself if you thought someone with less experience than Josh Bailey was gonna go there at the end of the day. Would it have been nice if Simon Holmstrom went? Yes, he should have went, but it was always going to be Josh Bailey, realistically, and is that the right decision? No, but it's kind of what I thought of it, at least. I don't know about you,
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to kill him over it. I mean, we'll get into the babies. I, I think you're saying a lot of people have been babies has basically been the moral of the story this week. Uh, we'll get into it with the Coyotes game, because I have a couple things to say about this, but You know, people were babies. Josh had a great game. He scored three goals, two for the Islanders, one for the Bruins. But aside from that, like, he deserved to go. You you know, you could throw Wallstrom in there, but he's unproven in the shootout. You could throw a couple guys in there. Give him a shot. But, you know, as long as Barzal went, and I believe Brock went second, right?
0: Yes, Brock went second. And he had a good move. People were also complaining about that move. He beat the goaltender. He hit the post. Stop crying. He hit the post. It happens.
1: Yeah, I really, in, in general, like, if it isn't the Islanders, I turn off the shootout. I don't like shootouts at all. Um, maybe this is a broader thing. Do you guys like shootouts? I, I, We've probably discussed this on no. the pod before.
0: Shootouts are terrible and a bad way to end a very good hockey game. Just give me 10 minutes overtimes, and if that doesn't happen, then go to the shootout. I think that's fine. I don't want ties. Ties are also stupid. There should be a winner, but... I just give us longer overtime, because overtime is so much fun to watch.
1: Yeah, same, same wavelength there. I just, I can't stand the shootout. It turns the whole game into, like, low-skills competition. And I genuinely, if the Islanders aren't in it, I just turn on a different game, or I turn off the TV, because... I'm kind of like, it doesn't tell me who was the better team on the night. And I think it was a pretty 50-50 game, and it deserved a better ending than it got. But two points for Boston, one point for us. And we were we're on to Arizona, to Mullet Arena, to the, the home of the Yotes, the big one. Um, we we finally got an opportunity to slay our demons. But uh, Jake, if you want to break down our game against the Yotes on uh, Friday night.
2: Yeah, uh, goaltending matchup, Kalavish, Melka. Uh, got his second straight game against the Islanders, and Stroken was in net for nope, yeah, net for the Islanders, uh, <laughs> trying, trying to erase a four-game losing streak. Obviously, didn't happen. Uh, but in the first period, a very good period for New York Islanders. A minute in the game, Sebastian Aho, uh, with his third of the year from the point, assisted by Nelson and Josh Bailey. And then, with about seven minutes to go in the period, Matty B. Uh, I believe uh, it was a sour shot. I uh, tipped it in his fourth of the year. Walsham got the other assist, and in typical Islander fashion, with 40 seconds left, Shane Gossesbear with uh, with his seventh, uh, made it 2 1. Shots of that period were 11 11. Second period, eight minutes in, Clayton Keller with his 11th, assisted by Barrett Hayden, Nick Schmaltz. Uh, 14 seconds later, Nick Bugstad with his seventh, assisted by Josh Brown. And uh, blanking on his first name, but Nchali Matias, I believe it is. Yes. Uh, that made it. That made it three-two. And then three minutes to go. Noah Dobson kind of saved the period. A very, very bad period. Tied it up, uh for his tenth of the year, shots with thirteen-seven. Kind of turned it up in the end. But at one point, I think it was like twelve to one. Not a great period. And then two minutes in, Travis Boyd with his third, assisted by Chikrin and Schmucks. Uh, and then Keller shot it off Monov's nuts uh, for his second, assisted by Schmaltz and Chicken. Um, that made it 5-3. And then with uh, a minute 40, Anthony Beauvillier slap shot it. It came right to him. That was assisted by Walsham Lee. Probably with a two-point night. It uh, wasn't enough. Shots with sixteen five aisles that period. Uh, some of those were at the end. Uh, but yeah, just uh, getting swept by the Coyotes is not, not what you want. Uh, tough game for a lot of people involved. Uh, stroking with his fifth straight loss. Um, hopefully that can be erased soon. Uh, especially with the Wiley injury, if he is hurt. Lane said game he doesn't know what happens for a so we'll see about that, but, uh, yeah, ugly game. Uh, it was fun to watch, that watching, uh, game on arena. Uh, I thought, I thought it was pretty fun, but, uh, the loss was not.
1: Oh, you were there? No, 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 I'm just saying on TV oh, It looks good. No, it is a cool environment to play in. But, um, AJ, give us your real and honest analysis of, uh, probably the most fun. I, I think Jake has a good point there. Probably the most fun Islanders game of the year.
0: Uh, I had no fun, actually, because we lost. But we got outworked by the Arizona Coyotes. I hope Nick Ritchie, I hope he stubs his toe. He's an absolute loser giving Kyle Palmieri his second concussion in a matter of weeks. His first game, he comes back. He's just a loser. Liam O'Brien looks like he smells. I, oh man, they're bottom forwards. are just losers. We had our big net front guy get absolutely bodied and demolished the entire game by Arizona's bigger team. We did really nothing, playing with Barzal and Walshroom. He looked terrible. He looked out of place. He looked like Ross Johnston more than Anders Lee. And that's really saying something. Worst game I've seen from Lee all year. And thankfully, he got demoted back to the second line. Uh, Tonight's game. Or last night's game. Or whenever you're listening to this. Because who knows? But uh, the Arizona game was a shit show. Defensively, we are doing this concept where we just don't defend. We're running around... Like, headless chickens, chasing the puck, tying ourselves out, and just not doing anything. De- defend! 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 I don't get it. They gotta, They gotta figure it out. I'm not the coach. But you can't be letting these other teams, especially the Arizona Coyotes, get sustained pressure for a long period of time and dominate an entire period against you. You just can't. I'm not going to be all doom and gloom because I'm very happy they won today because, you know what, we lose to the Arizona Coyotes, one of the worst teams in hockey, and then you beat a better team. Yes, I know Eichel's out, but in Vegas today, that's no slouch at all, no matter how many injuries they have. Winning a game there is always difficult. But, man, they just need to gel together defensively because what's going to happen if we make the playoffs? You can't be playing like this in the playoffs. You got to think about, you know, don't want to talk about it, you gotta think about the end goal at the end of the day. I'm not saying to rebuild like other people are I'm not saying to blow the team up. We they gotta fix up the defense a little bit. I'm not saying add or take anyone out. Yes, I get it. Pellick's out. Salo's been okay. He's putting up points, which is awesome. Uh, you know, Salo's soldiers, I'm happy for him, but they gotta figure it out. And there's a few moves we're gonna talk about later, such as Horvat who could help out. Yes, he's a forward, but still we'll get into it more later with some guys that you could bring in to help out. I wasn't really thrilled with the performance. I was quite embarrassed, but it was a fun hockey game, just not for the New York Islanders.
1: Yeah, so I'll pick up the baton there. I mean, you guys know me. I'm the Islanders' optimist, basically. Like, I always try to put a good spin on things. And uh, two, uh, I'll go with three positives from the night, like, just for positive stuff. Homemary looked very good until he got injured. Um, I was very happy with him back at the lineup. Beauvillier was also back. He he showed flashes, but same old bows. It's like he never left. Um, two is something I tweeted this afternoon, and it was kind of, you know, um, that you're gonna play a lot more teams like Vegas than Arizona in the playoffs if we make it. Like if, if this is the end goal and we're gonna make the playoffs, we'll see how the team performs over the year. Like you can kind of write off and a loss like that like that arizona just wanted it more it was a home game for them they played like dogs out there chased pucks like they always swarmed us it didn't seem like we learned our lesson against them and we got exposed um i'll get into some negatives in a little bit um credit to the yotes but also just like overall the teams you play in the playoffs are going to be playing more of a skill-based game than what the coyotes were playing they were just chasing pucks dominating along the boards and just giving 110% uh, out there. Um, and three, all the good teams this year have lost to the Arizona Coyotes. You can look at Boston, Toronto, Carolina. A couple teams we are cont- contending with in the long run have lost to the Yotes this year. So it's not the be all end all to lose a game to the Coyotes. Um, some of the fan reaction was driving me insane last night as an optimist. Um, friend of the pod, Ian, had a nice long Twitter space that let people vent their emotions, and I appreciate him for setting that up. But just reading tweets throughout the night, it was so crazy how deranged people got about that loss. Like, it was just one game in a vacuum, and it might be, like, you know, everything people have been mad about, but I saw Lambeau taking a ton of shit, my coach Lynn Lambert was getting it left right and center like just a bunch of armchair like head coaches telling him how to manage the team or what he was doing wrong calling him guard snow 2.0 which like we've seen lane coach dominating and great performances some of the best moments in ubs arena's history thus far have been in the lane lambert era not to say much because that's only two years of history but like i i trust lane he's still learning he's still developing as a coach it's, it's just the start of the lane at lambert era so let's Let's chill a little bit. I get taking the training wheels off um, now that he's been there a few months, but let's just calm down and not isolate one loss in a vacuum. I saw Anders Lee get a ton of shit. He had a bad game last night. It's been a couple of bad games, even though he has two goals in five games at this point. I think tonight puts a little perspective on this. If we record last night after the game, things would be a lot different with everyone's opinion on Anders Lee right now. I still believe in cap. I just don't think he's set up to play with Barzal. Thought it was a bad idea overall. I didn't like it at all. I mean, Wallstrom can barely skate with the Barzal, but Lee can't skate with Barzal. Like, that's why in the power play, he's in front of the net because he doesn't have to skate that much. So, or he's also, well, other reasons, obviously, being a net front presence and everything, but he's not Chris Kreider. Barzal's not Mika abandoned jet. They're not going to be able to just, like, skate down and do uh, fast breaks and breakaways. Lee's skill sets with a guy like Brock Nelson who's going to shoot the puck and then Lee can play clean up a little bit. Um, on top of that, Sorokin was really bad. I, I just want to, like, I love Elias Sorokin. That's my goalie. He, it was the worst start of his career, I think, easily. He just was horrible against Arizona. Um, two goals weren't on him. Three of them he probably could have saved. He set such a standard of excellence that it's it's hard to not hold him to that every single game because we know what he's capable of and we know how good he is on a night-to-night basis. But, you know, it was really frustrating. He seemed to have some of the mojo back tonight against Vegas. He came in as a the Edwin Diaz appearance. He appeared with, like, five minutes left. He made two or three saves. Not not too heavy work. Maybe this gets his confidence back up because I genuinely believe what goalies, like, for the skilled goalies, so I'm talking, like, Sorokin, Hellebuck, um, Markstrom, what's his name, uh, Shesterkin, A couple of other top guys, uh, Vasilevsky, like it's easy for them to spiral. Like you'll see out of Edmonton all the time, Jack Campbell will beat himself up over every loss. And it's always his fault. And when the team wins, it's despite him. And they get really down on themselves and sad in post-game interviews, goalies do. Uh, Markstrom's been doing all the time this season. And like goalies, when you're that elite, like the skills 90% of the game, but the other 10% is just your confidence level. And if, Ilya's not feeling great. We just need to get that confidence back up and play well in front of him. So tough game for Ilya. I think he'll get back on track. Other other kind of considerations. It, it was a very fun hockey game. I really liked watching the game. Like I know neutrals who were really enjoying it. Um, be it Rangers' chance for Islanders' downfall or just people looking for a fun game on a Friday night. It was cool seeing us play that way. We probably win that game three nothing in the Trots era, but. We had a fun 5-4 game. Uh, solo all uh, contributed, even if they didn't on the back end to goal scoring. So there are little things that you could take out as positives. And I think, you know, if we beat them, four nothing or something maybe there aren't as many teaching moments but you go back to the drawing board you take uh, romanov and move him away from pulak because that didn't work out you put him back with dobson at points tonight i thought it worked out really well and we'll get to tonight in a little bit but I- i'm probably rambling at this point but it- it's probably better to just have a learning moment instead of a dominating victory because uh, uh that's loser talk i, I don't want to say that but like it's basically just like um you know, you can find a teachable moment in the loss as opposed to just going into Arizona and taking care of business, which is better for the standings, but there were lessons learned from the game that I think that the team can appreciate, and they did incorporate some tonight. So I'll kick it over to Jacob. Jake, what do you think of the game uh, against Arizona?
2: Yeah, obviously frustrating. Um, I would say this game and the St. Louis game was probably the worst in Ilya U.S. career. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I was freaking out. We uh, had a really bad game. Uh, a few positive. I thought, I thought Pomero looked great. I'm glad he's back, but he's not back. Uh, hopefully, it is just day to day and he can come in maybe for the Ranger game. Uh, but yeah, defensively, it was a little bit of a mess. Um, and it wasn't great today, um, which we've been into. But uh, yeah, uh, again, fun to watch, but not a fun ending. You don't want to get stopped by the Coyotes, but uh, at least it's over with. Uh, it's done. Uh, they will not play them until next year.
1: Thank God. Them and Nashville are becoming our boogeyman.
2: Yeah. Well, well, thank God, it's, uh, it's out of the way. You can't confirm that. We're yeah, gonna what a scumbag
1: them.
2: hit, too. Yeah, uh, I mean, that was ridiculous. And, and good on Sal, uh, who's not the biggest guy in the world for stepping up right away. Um, shocked it was only a two-minute roughing call. That uh, was a little ridiculous. not that we would have done anything in the past, but... Um, just kind of to make a point
1: yeah and i'm surprised krauston like I, I thought there'd be at least a fine out of the hit i know if dpos doesn't do everything they're supposed to do or uh dpos department of Player safety they don't they aren't the most effective or efficiently run uh organization in the nhl but like man was that frustrating seeing palms come back I I still I could just sworn I I've broken it down like the Zapruder film, but uh, but Italian the Zaporuderia film uh, for Paul Murray. I thought he got a tip on that Dobson goal. He was awesome. He played really good. The Peas line was back. But you know, if if Anders Lee's, you just can't have him on the top line. You can't have guys who can't skate with Barzal. I'm not saying Bailey can skate with Barzal, but he can play catch up a little better than Lee does, or get to Bailey's quote unquote spots like where he needs to be, Lee. Lee isn't going to play with Garzal, and Lane just has to just go away from that for at least 20 or 30 games until you figure out what you want to do with the top six. Um, AJ, any closing thoughts on the Yotes game?
0: Yeah, fun game, I guess. I, I'm i just very salty that we lost to the Arizona Coyotes. And just the way the goals went in, it was stupid. One off Mayfield, one off uh, Cock shot off Rahm. Hockey's a stupid sport sometimes, it really is, but you know what, I'll take a loss like last night to get a very nice win like tonight. It evens out, it washes out. Jake, let's get into the Vegas
1: game. Before we do, I mean the Islanders now have two PP issues, one with Romanov and then one with the power play, so I think I I just wanted to get that one off quick. Uh, Jake, you can go into Vegas now. Yeah, it
2: was announced pre-game that Kyle Palmieri and Kyle Quarterback would be out day-to-day, both with upper body injuries, Hudson Fashing Came in on the fourth line, and Simon Holmstrom slotted on the third line, and Lee and Bailey swapped. goal uh, goaltending matchup was Semyon Barlamov and Logan Thompson. Uh, first period with about a minute, two left, Anders Lee with his tenth. Very nice shot, he was due. Steve picked him as the first goal scorer, good call by Stevie. Uh, Broadway Steve, as they, they're calling him now. Assisted by Robin Sowell, who's now on a point streak, and Anthony Beauvillier. Shots that period were 9-9, pretty even, which would not be that way in the second period. Admitted in on the power play, because Casey took one with two seconds to go. Um, I think it was, uh, what was it, hooking or something? I don't, it doesn't matter. Uh, Riley Smith, the Islanders owner, uh, underrated Islanders owner. Uh, we kind of looked into that. He does own us. Um, his 15th of the year. And then a few minutes later, Hudson Fashing, Ajo pushed it out to him. He just, uh, he skated towards the net, used his size, scored. My fourth line winger, his second of the year. Two goals in five games. Iho was on a three-game point streak. Also, Matt Martin got an assist on that. At the end of the period, um, Simon Holmstrom with his first career NHL goal. Really nice Deke, really nice shy, did everything so well. He had a pretty good game. Uh, again, obviously his first of the year because it is the first of his career. Very happy for Simon Holmstrom and the Peas who got the assist. Uh, third period, our owner again, Riley Smith on another power play assisted by Petrangelo and Chandler Stevenson. Um, and I missed this. The shots were 17-9 for Vegas in the second period. Uh, and and we kind of re- really just had a really bad first 10 minutes of that period. Uh, we go to commercial break. Uh, Mark Stone... Uh, looked like he hurt his Achilles. Uh, we went to commercial, he came back. Elise Sorokin's in the net. Nobody knows what happened to Simeon Varlamov. They thought it was an equipment issue, and then he actually talked to the trainer. Uh, Sorokin had one safe shutout. out Uh, Brock Nelson on the empty netter with his 15th, and then he had the puck again a minute later, and then, like, the good friend he is passed it to the man that calls Zach for his 10th of the year, also assisted by Pajot with his second. Uh... Seren Varomov win. Great game. 35 saves. always broken one save shutout. Uh does not break the losing streak, unfortunately. Shots with 38-26. They gave the first star to Barlomov, the second star to Riley Smith, and the third star to Anders Lee. Uh, but the two guys that came into that, Hudson Fashion, and Simon Holmes from scored today and pretty much made the difference. Um not a pretty game by any means, a lot of uh AJ, what, what's the saying? Um what? Chickens? Uh,
0: the he- chicken thing. Oh, a lot of headless chickens on
2: the Headless market. chickens, yeah. A lot of that still, um, but we will take the two points against Vegas and Vegas every time on to Monday when they play Colorado. Yeah, uh, hopefully Varley is okay. Uh, if not, I expect Corey Schneider to be recalled. I don't think he'll play until maybe Friday. Um, But Hopefully, Barley's okay. Hopefully, Paul Mary and Cal heal up as well. But if not, they have some solid depth options at Hudson Thatching and Simon Holmstra. Sure. That cross off this fucking team. That goal by
0: Hudson Thatching was absolute chills. Who knew that a New York Islander had the ability to drive the net? Because I know Matthew Barzal does not. Man, uh, I want to talk about Barzal real quick. He's good. He's really good. Don't get me wrong, he's our best player. <clears throat> Why does this man always stop at the point and just pass the puck and stop? Why does he never drive the net? Someone look at Jack Hughes' highlights, I beg. Look how Jack Hughes drives the net, pushes play forward, and creates stuff down low. Barzal just stops at, at the point every time. It's so infuriating. It's such a bad habit. Drive the net. You're such a good player. You're one of the fastest players in the league. Use that speed. Get around guys. Stop just giving the puck to the defenseman and hoping they get a Hail Mary shot and it goes in. Create something. I'm begging you. I wasn't really thrilled with how they played on in their own end as well. Like I was saying, the headless chicken thing. Just defend better. Uh they gotta work on that. I was really hoping this road trip would be, you know, the turning point for that, because the defense hasn't been good this year. It's been very well documented that they've been pretty mid to below average. I'm not asking them to be Barry Trott's, you know, defensive Islanders with Lane Lambert's above, a little bit above average offensive Islanders. We're not asking for that, but you got to be competent in your own end, because it's going to hurt you, and it's hurt us a decent amount this year in games we probably shouldn't have lost to bad teams. We constantly play down to our competition, And I don't get why. We have a good leadership group. I like Lane. I think he's a pretty solid coach. We don't know what's going on in there, but I think he's a pretty, you know, respectable guy, a reasonable guy. Why is our veteran team playing down to the likes of the Philadelphia Flyers, the St. Louis Blues, the Coyotes twice? And I understand. There's a lot of parody in the league. Any given Sunday, yada, yada, yada. You can't be giving up these points. To bad teams the Nashville game they did look very good that Nashville game I'll give them that but um, they can't be dropping points to bad teams that they expect to be a playoff team cause you give up these points to games you know you give these points up in games you should win less points you're gonna get better chance you one miss the playoffs or two you have to face like a Boston or Carolina who knows who's winning the Metro now that the Devils suck again we didn't kill the devils. We ended the devils' uh, Mickey Mouse run, but uh, yeah, there's a lot to be worried about. But I think hopefully the, by the end of this trip, I'm gonna keep, still you know remain a little optimistic that they could bring it back together. I think a trade would help a lot. I think Bo Horvat would help a ton, and it would relieve pressure off guys like Barzal. It would help the power play. It would even help us in our own end. But we'll get into that in a little bit. I know Ryan has some uh, trade talk. He wants to go over as well.
1: Yeah, so let let me hop in. So watch the game tonight. I was I was satisfied by the perform, performance. I thought it was fine. um So one thing I want to point out. I'm just on Natural Stat Trick right now. High danger chances were 11 to four. um You might think 11 is a high number because the defense did look like you know headless chickens. But just looking around the rest of the league, most good teams: Toronto, Washington. Uh, let me see if I can pull one more to bring up the sample size. The uh, the Nye Rangers, the Devils, they all had like over 11. So I think saying the defense was like some level of horrible that we've never seen before is a little exaggerated. We only had four high danger chances because our power play the past two games has been so bad. We had nine power plays in the last two games, or actually I think it's eight but it's just been so bad. Like, it's unbelievably bad. They don't have a high danger chance on the power play the past two games. I know natural stat trick, just analytics talk here. Um, they score their high danger chances based on expected goals and what's been a high danger chance historically. But just from even watching, that matches the eye test. The power play isn't creating high danger chances. Normally, you could say how many high danger chances a team has at even strength versus power play. Our number doesn't change when you add in the power play. It's still four. Five on five, we're getting our high danger chances, which it's frustrating, and it really shows the need for finishing talent because we're not creating high danger chances on the power play. The power play is still just passing from Brock to Dobber to Barzal, and then if someone's in that front to tip it in or if Pajdos down on the block. But, like... Really frustrated with the power play. Overall, really good one. Varlamov looked great tonight. Um, I know I kind of shit on him earlier against the Bruins. I was a little shaky. Tonight he looked good. I was happy with Varlamov's performance. Totally cool with that. Um, homie, so happy for the kid. He deserves it. So many people are shitting on Holmstrom on Twitter. It's insane. And before the game, I tweeted out, I feel a Holmstrom goal tonight. And people are in my replies like, oh, you might as well bet on winning the lottery. You, 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 you might as well bet on the goalie scoring. Like, what are you watching? Like, sometimes I feel like I'm watching a different game than the people in my replies because, like, Holmstrom isn't creating much offense but he's playing such a well-rounded game that a goal was going to come eventually. Like, I thought that was like coming for the past couple games that Holmstrom would get a goal. He should have played against the guys. Hudson Fashing made a great goal out of nothing tonight. Like it was a good breakout pass by Ajo, but like, that's a goal that like, you know, that's an upper echelon talent in the NHL goal. Like he created that goal by himself And I'm a little bummed out. I thought he should have played against Arizona because that was his former team, and he gives us kind of a, in my opinion, a better look on the fourth line than when Matt Martin's out there. But tonight, him, Martz, and Zeker worked out really well. Zeker even had that goal that didn't count. Uh, Bummer. Game would have been a lot more comfortable if that one went in. Uh, Jake was totally right earlier on Riley Smith owning us. He historically kills us, even back to the Panthers' days with him. But yeah, that was a little frustrating. Sorokin came in like Edwin Diaz, shut out the game couple empty netters on the end made the result look a little better, but it's just really frustrating to not see us get high danger chances on the power play because you literally have an extra man. I think the double double pivot we have with Lee and Peugeot down on the block isn't effective. I think you need to move... Move one of them to PB2, probably Pajot, but you need the face-off wins unless you feel comfortable with Brock, maybe you could put Wally out there or something, but you need to switch things up on the power play. It's been ineffective a couple of games now. Tonight's game, we could have blown open in the second. We had all the momentum, and we could have won it comfortably, but we didn't. So that was frustrating. But yeah, I'll take a win. Vegas is one of the five best teams in the league. We'll, we'll get to it. We have a mid-season podcast where we're going to go around the rest of the league. So. Everyone get excited for that. I might take a victory lap on AJ on Vegas being better than uh, the LA Kings. But yeah, so uh, Vegas is a good team. They're not special in net, but they have so much five-on-five talent all throughout the lineup. Like They'll have guys like William Carlson out there tonight. I was like, I haven't heard that name in months, and then he'll impress me with a move or something. Um, But yeah, I mean, Vegas is a good team. It's a good win to hold over it. We're beating the good teams. AJ made a really good point earlier. AJ said that... uh, You know, he he really doesn't like that we're playing down to the bad teams. But I love how much we're playing up to the good teams. Like, you can go through our schedule. Every time we play a good team, we're playing up to them. So that's promising to me. And I think when you get to the playoffs, you want to be playing up to the good team because that's how this team has made their bread and butter, made their money in the playoffs, like, just by playing up to better competition, just owning them from there Um, and having stretch runs where they're scoring a couple of goals and then defending the rest of the game. It's tough without Pelic right now, I understand solo has been okay. Uh-Ho's really hitting another level. Dobson's been great most nights. He was just okay tonight, but he's been great most nights. Romdog had a shitter against the uh, Coyotes, but he was really good tonight, really good against the Bruins, really good against the Devils. So it's a mixed bag there. Pulak needs to be better. He's the money guy. He needs to play better hockey, but... You know, I I really don't feel comfortable telling him how to play better with the guys around him. Um, Mayfield has kind of fallen off a bit. He needs to be better. But on the back end, AJ is right. We, we look a little scattered at times. But the high danger chances at 5-on-5 five five are pretty, like... Uh, Vegas only had nine high danger chances at 5-on-5 five five I'm seeing here. So it was, like, it was okay for a 60-minute game. Like, you'll take that. And with Varlamov in net, that's perfectly fine. But, like... You know, you'd like the defense to look a little more competent out there. Uh, Jake, any other takes from tonight's game? Yeah, back to
2: Hudson Fashing. Uh, he did have a press conference where he like this quote. Um, <laughs> this season in general, I felt more comfortable. I've been through the ups and downs of the call-ups. Eventually, you just got to say screw it and just go for it. That's kind of where I'm at. So I'm very happy he scored. Sorry, I was chewing a pretzel when you asked me.
1: No worries, um,
2: dudes rock. I love that quote. Yeah, I hope he stays, Um, but we all know who's coming back in when he is healthy. But uh, Hudson some is a great 13th forward to have, uh, and I'm loving what I'm seeing from him, and I'm so happy for Simon Holmstrom. And as we say,
1: we love Simon. We do That's right. love Simon here. I, so, I just want to jump in with one quick thing. I'm not totally convinced Cal's injured tonight. I think this might have been a maintenance benching, because just to give... Simon a game, and Cal's getting older, he doesn't really play back-to-backs anymore. So I'm not too worried on the Cal front that he's injured. I think it's more just a maintenance thing. Yeah, he blocked bought, he bought the shot, so he, I, he should be
0: okay. I disagree entirely with that. You can see in the Arizona game, he blocked the shot with his hand, and he was flexing it after. And Cal Clutterbuck is made of glass, with all due respect. Uh, he could beat the living shit out of me, but that's not saying much. I think he messed up his hand, and they're just not going to tell us because the New York Islanders. So we'll see about that. Paul Mary, another concussion. uh, Very scary stuff. Uh, Nick Ritchie, terrible human being, per usual. And with the Adam Pellick front, I don't know if we got into that too much, but he was... No one knows what's going on. I was going to say he's skating. He's not skating. No one really knows what's going on, if he's skating or not yet. Concussions are very scary, it could be three days, it could be three weeks, it could even be three months, you don't know what's going on. Head, you know, CT, head trauma, we gotta take this very seriously, and I get it. I mean, I don't want to rush the guy back if he's not ready, he has to be there, mentally. And, you know, take care of himself first, before he comes back on the ice. It's very sad, but that's what concussions are, and that's why they're trying to take him out of the game. Like, look at the uh Philip Roenick hit. We can talk about that real quick if you want before we go back into the islander stuff. Ryan Reeves with a vicious hit. It's a clean hit. If it was the IIHF, it was an international hockey game, it would be a dirty hit. But in the NHL, that's a clean hit. He has to keep his head up, but Ryan Reeves doesn't have to be that vicious and ferocious about it. But that's what Ryan Reeves gets paid to do. So There's a lot of debates that were sparked over that hit, and it's sad. Hopefully Philip Ronick's feeling better. I know he's you know he hasn't played since then and he left the game but scary stuff man
1: yeah just get into that for a bit i thought it was a clean hit um i'm not a big fan of hits and player safety discourse because mentally i always side with the player um ryan reeves has actually been awesome for the wild since they've acquired him um he's been really good there so, I, I hate that the news story around Ryan Reeves this week is that he's been like, you know, throwing a big hit, Revo style, because he's been a really good hockey player. He's racking up points with the Wild so far. So, that's a bummer. But yeah, you know, Hronik, obviously, like, I don't want to do the 200 hockey man thing and just say, keep your head up. But, like, he, his head was down. He, he should have anticipated the hit. But, you know, it's just part of hockey. Hopefully, Reeves or Heronic uh, feels better going forward. I like him as a player. And we'll we'll see where it goes. Just a bummer there. But um back to the Pellick thing real quick. You know, we saw this team right before uh, the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020. They lost Am Pelic for 13 games. It was probably gonna be till the end of the season before the season got pushed. The team fell off a cliff. Team went 0-13 without Pelic. The fact that we went one-one and one this week without Pelic really shows kinda to me something that AJ's harped on over the past few weeks that Pelic isn't like an his value in the trot system was he was the most important player on the ice. Now in the Lambert system, he's still a very important player. He's still our lockdown D-man or penalty killer, one of the better players on the team. But the team is able to survive and also at times thrive without Adam Pellick, which, you know, you don't want your system so dependent on one player that you are going to absolutely just have a total crap performance without him. You, you want, like, the depth and the onus, the focus throughout the lineup. You don't want it all on Pelic, because if Pelic's ever out, which sometimes he is, he does have injury history. You know, you want the rest of the defense to be able to pick it up. Would Adam Pelic have been the difference in the Arizona game? Probably. The Bruins game? I don't really think he would have changed it that much. Maybe a penalty killed. Tonight, he might have killed a penalty, but we still won. So I, I think that is something we could kind of harp on a little bit, that Adam Pellick is... You know, probably the, he's still a top 10 most important player on this team, but he's not, like, top, you know, three like he was under the Trials era.
0: Yeah, we talked about it. I don't know. We'll see how they continue to play. But the defense wasn't really that great with Pellick this year. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like when Pellick got hurt, season's over like it was other years. When Pellick went down, it was still very bad. And with Pellick, it was pretty bad. I don't know, it's time will tell, we'll see, we have Colorado on Monday, we have the Rangers on Thursday, two very important games, I mean, you know, you can get, you can go by, if you lose to Colorado, it's not season ending, but that Ranger game is massive right now, considering they're above us in the wild card, sadly, they're on like a six or seven game winning streak right now, unfortunate, but that's the other thing this team needs, this team needs a nice winning streak, will we get it? I don't know, but we need one. Every team gets, like, one or two nice win streaks. We still haven't really had ours. I think our most was maybe four wins or three wins. Am I right? We never pulled off a five. five. We had a five-game heater already.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we had a five-game that, uh, let me see. It was the Rangers through St. Louis stretch at the beginning of November. All right.
0: So, realistically, you need another five- to seven-game heater and then, you know, a little bit sub-500 hockey, and you should be a playoff team? Would you say that's correct, Ryan?
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, our schedule gets really good in January and February, but you just kind of have to take Jake Harps on it a lot. This is a gauntlet. We have to survive this little gauntlet. And, you know, if you had told me before the weekend we beat Arizona and lost to Vegas, I think a lot more people would have been fine with that. Yeah.
0: I mean, it it evens out, it washes out. What are we gonna do? You know, there's no reason to harp on it. Yes, if we won both games, that would have been awesome. If you would have told me we take two out of four points, I would have agreed and said that's fine. I'm not gonna cry over it. It's, you know, water under the bridge.
1: Yeah, I agree. And um, yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm happy with tonight's results. I think this is something we can carry into Colorado. Colorado still really injured. Hopefully, we get a win there. Beat the Rangers. I mean, I'm not gonna say we gotta beat the Rangers, but you know, we we love beating the Rangers at MSG, UBS West itself. Let, let's put an end to this little uh, uh this little Mickey Mouse run they've got going on. I'm I'm trying to think of a good sports comparison off the top of my head, but um this uh, man, I'm I'm running out of gas here. Um, this little New York Jets season run they're having, this this very small minuscule. Um something to just throw out there real quick. The mentality of some Islanders fans on Twitter is driving me so crazy because they were not there. They were not in the gauntlet. They were not in the uh, the trenches tonight. Everyone who was hating when they lost Arizona was just completely gone tonight, which was very funny to me. They all disappeared. They didn't stay up for the game. They couldn't take stock of the Islanders winning. Like, there's some people on the Bird app that are always there when the team's losing but they'll always go completely dark when the team's winning and everyone's doing good and everyone's happy. Yep. So that's just something I'm grateful for, that people aren't trying to drag us down when we're winning. Because there are there are valuable lessons to learn from a game where we win, even if we don't win through the best process. But it's just so frustrating, this Frank Fleming slash Jets fan mentality that a lot of Islanders fans have. Where the second shit gets rough, people just get out. I saw a lot of people that I know um, from Twitter just like completely quit on the team uh, after the Arizona game. And then we win again. You tell me at the beginning of the week we were going 1 1 and 1. I would have signed up for it. I would have been completely fine with it. Um, but like the fact that it was just losing to Arizona broke so many people's brains that AJ's right. It's going to take a winning streak to get us back out of this.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to freak out. I know I might have sounded a little bit negative when I was complaining about the Arizona game. I was just saying how I felt. I'm not negative towards this team very often, but they need to fix stuff. You can, you can criticize a team and still want them to win and succeed and have a optimist mentality like I do. I watch every game. I watch every second of every game. We all do, for the most part. We all do. We know we see what's wrong. We you know in our heads like oh do this 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 it might work it could fix stuff. I like tr- I like to try to leave that to the professionals though. Uh they do know a little bit more than us. Some would say I don't know, but um, yeah. So I'm not. Whenever I'm harsh on the team, it's me trying to be brutally honest. With what I'm seeing, like with the Varlamov stuff, watching him look behind, you know, look behind the shoulder after every shot kills me. But he had a good game today. I will give credit where credit's due. I don't like being that harsh. I like trying to pick up the positives out of guys. Hudson Fashion is the best Bridgeport Islander we've ever had with the New York Islanders. That's a positive. Nah, jokes aside, he's really good. I love Hudson. But uh, I think that kind of sums up everything. Uh, people got to stop being negative, Nancy's, <coughs> Steve.
1: Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't referring to you there. there. No, I, I you know. know the kind of people I'm talking about. I know. Um, it's, it's just, you know, there are people like AJ who get frustrated and, like, they'd like to see the team every night be the best they can be, which I agree with. But there are some people who are like, this is the best the team can be. The team that the team that lost Arizona is what they should be every night, and that's their, like, true level.
0: No, and the other thing, I know I've been shitting on Arizona the entire episode, they have some very good players. They have Chikrin, they have Keller— they have the Matias Michelli kid, who's an absolute stud. He's going to be very good, I hope. Arizona's a likable team, not when we play them. They have Lawson Crest. They have good players, and they have players that want it more. And they wanted it more last night. That second period, they wanted it more. They were dead in the first period. Second period, they scored a goal, they got momentum, they wanted it more. You could just tell they were finishing their hits. They were outworking us. It's hockey. The parody throughout this league is incredible. That's why the NHL is the best league in my opinion, even though the sport is very stupid sometimes because Alexander Romanov could block a shot with his literal penis and have it end up in the back of the net. Well, that's why we love the stupid sport. Am I right, boys?
1: Yeah, I guess I'm right. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, sorry, I just stepped away for a sec. Yeah, no, AJ's right. Um, You know, stupid sport, but we love it, so we keep moving. Uh, But now let's get into some trade deadline talk. Trade deadline's a couple months away. Best time to make a move is now, in my opinion. Just get someone in, reward the boys, reward Lane. We've done so good to this point. No one thought we were going to be here at this point of the season. No one thought that we'd be in a playoff spot. We'd be fighting for it. The window is now... If you want to improve the team, improve it for the long run, do it now, please. Lou, I beg of you to work between the hours of 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. to complete a damn trade. That's all I'm asking. Just get us a shiny new toy. We were robbed in the summer. The fans deserve it. Everyone who believes in this team deserves a move. I'd love it to be now. As long as something's in the works to happen at the deadline, I'd appreciate it. But the team needs an influx of talent. Josh Bailey had a really good week. I think we can all agree on that for what Josh Bailey is. He had a good week. He had three goals, uh, two for the Islanders. But like we would really like a talent right now. But AJ, first name that comes to mind, who do you want to add to this New York Hockey Islanders team?
0: Well, if you are a a recurring listener of the podcast, you'd think I'd say Timo Meyer. My opinion has changed. I still want Timo Meyer. I want Bo Horvat. I'm on the boat train, it makes a lot of sense, I'm gonna make a YouTube video on this as well, so, uh, go follow Brock the Stable, get me to 100 subscribers, yay! But, uh, besides that, Bo Horvat, very good centerman, he's gotten Selkie votes before, good two-way forward, that means, if, you know, you're not big with the whole wards. Selkie's, you know, usually very good, their own end, the other end, good face-offs, Brock, uh, Brock Besser, sorry, Bo Horvat, is one of the best centermen in the league. I'd say top five. Uh, Ryan and I could have this debate in a little bit if face-offs matter or not, because I still think they do. Uh, Ryan, not as much as I do, believes in the face-off drama. We'll get into that. But with Bo Horvat, you could take Pajot off the power play, which I 100% agree with you, Ryan. You add another offensive talent. You could take Barzal, who is terrible at face-offs, out of the center position, and let him just move him to the wing. Yes, you know, the center position is more valuable than a winger. I don't care. Barzal is playing like a robot right now. He is just programmed to do the same thing every time, take the puck, stop at the zone, let him, you know, release the shackles a little bit, let him play a little bit more freely. And I think Bo Horvat takes one pressure off him because he doesn't have to worry about losing faceoffs. And you get another offensive talent. You have one of the best goal scorers in the league this year with Matthew Barzal and Oliver Wallstrom. He's also a leader of the Canucks. He's been the captain since he was 24 there, so I think he's 28 now. It makes so much sense. He's just a very good player. He's a leader, and you know what? I'm not saying he's our bunch goring, but he could be a very key piece going forward. He's a UFA at the end of the year, so usually if Lou makes a trade like this, it will come with a contract extension. We gotta see. I think Bo Horvat is the guy, though, for all those reasons that I listed. Yeah, so
1: I love Bo Horvat personally. He's been the captain of the Canucks since he was 23, one of the younger captains in the NHL. He's it's such a disservice to Beau Horvat. He's only been able to play in two playoffs, one real playoffs, I I guess the Mickey Mouse kind of Vancouver run in the bubble. Um, Their uh, Linsanity run kind of counts towards a playoff run, but like also there's the, he only played with the Sedines his rookie year in a real playoff series. And then he had the bubble, which they wouldn't have been in under normal circumstances, but they made it in and they made a little bit of a run before losing to Vegas in seven with that Dr. Demko. So just kind of behind the, the Red Martin lore here, the Canucks were my second favorite team growing up. Love the Sedins. Uh love Biasca. Loved a lot of the guys, Alex Burrows on those teams. Uh, I've always been tapped into Vancouver podcasts. My two favorite ones are Roxy Fever and one called I Hate This Team, which I've been listening to a lot lately. It's a very good podcast. Uh, kind of the title explains the story there. They hate the team. Uh, but, yeah, so basically the thing to say about uh is they don't play much defense in Vancouver, but he's a great two-way center. He's been absolutely on fire this year. He's the, exactly the kind of guy the Islanders want on their first line. Really enjoy Horvat. I'm excited to see what he's going to do the rest of the season. He's going to make some trade deadline suitor happy. I think the Islanders should pay the price and go get Horvat. I understand the price is going to be pretty high for an expiring deal. And it's going to be hard for a guy who just played for one culture where I, I think someone made this point on Ian's Twitter space last night, but all of these guys grew up in the 90s and early 2000s. And the connotation and the kind of what you associate the Islanders and the Canucks with during those periods are f- losing. Um, but it would be hard to h- get him like right from a plane from British Columbia to take the plane to Long Island and be like, hey, you live here now, right? For, live here for eight more years. So like that, that would be a bit of a tough sell, I think, to Beau Horvat. However, the current contract, the Vancouver Canucks are offering Beau Horvat is 5.9 million, the same kind of offer that Ryan Nugent Hopkins got on the Edmonton Oilers. Bo Horvat, I love Nugent too, so I don't take this as slander, but Bo Horvat is such a better player than Ryan Nugent Hopkins, it's not even funny. Like, Bo Horvat's a captain of a team. He's a second line center like Nuge, but he's so good. Like, he has, he's like third in the NHL in goals right now. He just constantly produces, makes stuff happen, fires pucks on net. He's like, he's like, think of what we know with Brock Nelson, but a little bit of a shorter, stockier version. But he's like incredible. It'd be like adding another, a better Brock Nelson to this hockey team. So I totally thank you, Gopher Bo. Lou doesn't make trades, it seems, unless he has a contract in hand, unless it's Palmieri, which he was willing to play that till the summer. But you need to know that that extension's coming with whoever you trade for. So so it is interesting what we're going to do with Horvat. I love Horvat. I really want Horvat. I think he's a missing piece on this team. It lets you maybe move Barzell to the wing or let Barzell take the face off and then play defense on the wing, break out a little more. And it might even help Maddie's confidence, just get a couple more tapping goals. Deflections, redirect, stuff like that. But yeah, I'm, I'm a big Horvat fan. And yeah, Jake, what do you think about Horvat? Gonna agree. I uh, agree,
2: especially because they are familiar talking to each other. Allegedly, they talked on the at the draft. Apparently, they've been talking, according to Stefan Rosner. Um, who knows how true that is? But they they are familiar with talking to each other. Um, I love about Horvat. I would like to move Barzell to Wing, have that first line be Ballshroom. Barzell Horvat. We just helps the team a lot. He's a leader. Um, he would have two bows. Um, who would be the real Bo Bamba? I don't know. Um, but I think that's, you know, obviously we talked about team Maya. That was someone I wanted them to get, but I just think. I would, I want Bo Horvat more. And I, I just do think it's more likely just because they've, they've talked. They have familiar talking to each other. Um, it just makes trading. Easier. Well it's gonna it's gonna cost a lot, but I think it's gonna benefit this team in the long run. Um love to route to love William D but um, you know, I hope they have fun in Vancouver if that is the case. But I Bo Horvat's my number one target, Timo's probably second. Um, maybe Brock Besser, uh, who got scratched again today. So yeah, um I, I think Bo Horvat's definitely my number one target that is on the market.
1: Yeah, and thank you, Jake, for mentioning Brock Besser. Sorry, I know AJ's gonna jump in a second here, but um, you know, the thing that you can kind of see, the Islanders have accumulated at this point so much cap space. My uh, my Google isn't working right right now because of the Wi-Fi in my apartment. So if someone could pull up, uh, Jake, if you could pull up Cap Friendly and just see what our active cap number is for the deadline, like how much space we're gonna have. But like we have over twelve million dollars in space at this point, you can combine Horvat and Besser or whatever you want to do if it's with the Canucks into a one singular trade. Like right now, the Canucks are bleeding so bad they expected this year to come out and come out firing. They shit the bed to start the season. They're back closest to a playoff spot, but they've played way more games than the rest of the Western Conference. They need to be at, like, 110-point percentage. They need to literally be the Colorado Avalanche to make it at this point. So you might want to, like, kind of convince them, like, hey, Connor Bedard's a BC kid. His favorite player was Tyler Mott when he was there. Like, maybe you push them a little bit to, towards the bottom with your trade talks. And uh, apparently they're in on Raw uh, I'd be completely willing to sacrifice Raw for the greater good uh, for a title run or uh, at least another deep run for the next two years. And with Bo Horvat, uh, as I said earlier, the cap number was 5.9. I'd easily give him eight on the island. Like, eight by eight. Uh, AJ, is that talking crazy?
0: Eight by eight's a little excessive, but the cap's going to go up at least a million. You're going to get rid of Bailey. Lee's contract's going to be off the book in a, books in a few years. He is 27, I believe, so by the time it's done, what's he like, 34? It's not the craziest thing in the world. It's not the most excessive contract in the world. Maybe try to get a little bit lower, but just sign him. Who cares? We were ready to give Kadri 8.5. Some of us were ready to give him that. So if we're going to get an even better player for 8, I'll take it. You will not hear me complain. I love Bo Horvat. I've liked him for many years now because he always carries my fantasy team. And I will I will be loving... My purchase of a Bo Horvat Canucks Reverse Retro when it's on sale when he's a New York Islander.
2: Um, to answer your question, Ryan, they currently are projected to have ten point eight nine five million in deadline cap space.
1: Okay, so definitely, so de- definitely, definitely
2: room for def
1: definitely one of them, maybe two. Well, yeah, I think I think there you can fit Horvat and Besser if you want. Like Besser's what what's Besser making six? He's making five six. Uh, Besser's five points.
2: Yeah,
1: Besser's six by two,
0: and you have to figure if you're gonna get Besser and Horvat, Beauvillier's probably out. You'd probably send Bovillier yeah. for Besser to make that work, not to make. Yeah, my big work, concern but...
1: over the summer with trading Bo to the Canucks is Barzal's a BC kid. So it was like, if Barzal's contract runs out, you're sending his best friend over there to his hometown. But like, now that we have Barzal locked up, and if you do want to move Bo, you're you're totally fine to do that. Like, Barzal's here, he's stuck here. Nothing he can really do. Like, there's player empowerment in other sports where he could have forced a trade. But in hockey, once you sign that eight year deal, you are stuck on Long Island. Matt Barzal is locked in, so do whatever you want. If you want to send Bo out to BC, like, everyone will be sad because it's Bo, but, like, whatever gets the deal done, if it makes the Islanders better, you simply got to do it.
0: Yeah. Do we want to have – do we want to be the nice guys? Oh, we're going to keep Bo. Maybe he'll break out like Pavel Bucinovic, who – he was better than a few years ago. He was so much better than Pavel Bucinovic a few years ago. You say (laughs) that now and you laugh. You laugh. Bucinavich is a point per game. Bo, yes, the Energizer Bunny, Bo Bomba, all the, the love that we have for Bo, all the great memories. It's in the past. If you can get an elite talent, a uh, potential elite talent like Brock Besser, who is a little bit of a reclamation project, but he's still better than Bo. If they're giving away Brock Besser, how do you not jump on that? Bring them both here. I will drive to Vancouver to get my boy Brock Besser and my boy Bo Horvat on the New York Islanders. Bring them both here. You get your second line right winger and you get whatever you want to play Bo Horvat. I don't care. You can play, you can keep, they're not going to do this, but you can keep Barzal at center instead of Bo Horvat. I'll be happy just to have another elite scoring talent or two now in this case if you get both of them.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. We we'd, I, I would hop on that road trip with you and we'd start the Vancouver Riot Part 2 in Minecraft because we're not actually starting right. riot. But uh, to get Besser and uh, Brock out of there, uh, you know, or Bo out of there, like, it'd be awesome. Um, You know, we'd add another bow, we'd add another Brock, but I think it's easy to make that replacement. Um, Yeah, but just to kind of go on other... Trade targets. We beat Timo Meyer to death. I don't think we need to talk too much. Everyone knows he's excellent. Um, just kind of stay the union on Timo Meyer. AJ, as of right now, what are you willing to give up for Timo Meyer?
0: Uh, first, second, uh, same package for Horvat, basically first, second, raw two, Salo. Sorry, sounds Robert. good.
1: Um, I I think the package for. Meyer's gonna cost a, you a little bit more than it would cost for Horvat, um, uh, because fair. he
0: has an RFA, RFA elite winger. Would, would we call Timo Meyer elite at this point?
1: Yeah, I would, I would do as well. I you know 15 goals,
0: yeah, but some, it program. depends your definition of elite. Obviously, I know some people use it very loosely, which I think that's where the team of Meyer I think he's borderline elite. I don't think like obviously he's not there's a lot of really good wingers in hockey, more than we probably could think of. Like guys are just breaking out every day now. It's awesome. It's great for the leagues. That scoring is up, don't get me wrong, but uh Barry Trev's hockey's in the mud.
1: That's right. Uh, probably why no one signed him yet, Mister Unemployment over there. Oh. Uh, yeah, but uh, basically, oh, no. I'm I'm fine if we get Meyer. I, I think that'd be a great bet on the future. It would just take a lot to pry him out. Like I think the Devils at this point would have to trade a guy like Holtz. Like I, I think you need that kind of like okay first round equivalent prospect in the trade. Like it's gonna be your first for this year, and then a first equivalent and a prospect. So kind of think the Mark Stone Brandstrom trade. A mm-hmm. little bit. Yep. Like that that's kind of the, the template for Timo Meyer. It's gonna be like you're only giving up two or three things, but it's gonna be two or three really, really good things. And I, I don't know if the Lee sees Atu Ratu as a like first round equivalent. So that's why I'm a little bullish there. I think he might just be like the equivalent of a of a second like yeah, like a high second rounder or something. It it really depends. You'd have to do like a whole trade value chart to get there, but that's kind of my take on Meyer. I think it's going to be two or three, like, really, really good things. I don't think the Sharks are going to go for quantity there because they do have a pretty good farm system. They're just going to want, like, elite, high-end talent. But our first round pick might intrigue some teams. I, I think that a lot. Um, I've gone back to this a couple times. We have very high variance on our, uh, kind of, where our pick's going to be because, like, what's what's to say, like, you know, we call up... Um, we call up uh, Patrick Alvin in Vancouver and he's like, oh, the Islanders, they're, they're going to be out in the first round. That that pick's going to be like the 18th overall pick or they might not even make the playoffs. That might be the 13th overall pick. Well, good players go 13 um, and he makes that trade. You know, I, I think our first round pick does hold more value than a team like the Devils who seem a little safe at this point. Or maybe the Bruins, who seem pretty safe at this point. But that's just kind of my take on things. I, you, you both agree with that, right? Like, teams probably see that as a bit more variance than your normal first round pick.
0: Yeah, I get what you're saying. I don't know about the Raw take, though. I think that Raw 2 is probably a low first round pick. Like, maybe, like, low, low. But it's weird. I don't, every team values guys differently. Uh, I don't really think many GMs are looking at Corey Prodman's, uh article, get, <laughs> boosting him up to, like, 20 His redraft of the
1: 2023 uh, draft lottery, yeah.
0: I really don't think that Matt GMs and scouts are going to be reading—like, they read it, obviously. They're all consuming the hockey media, but I don't think they—I hope not. I hope they don't let their opinions get swayed by Corey Prodman and his redraft article when— we know some of the sketchy writings he's done in the past, giving a lot of disrespect to Noah Dobson and the New York Islanders and a few other players. But, I don't know, it's interesting. I think, obviously, like I said, every team's value is different. It is kind of similar to NHL uh, franchise mode. Some teams value guys more and want guys more than other teams, you know? So... It's all whatever they think of the guy at the end of the day. That's, you know, the value.
1: Yeah, I agree with you there, AJ. I I was trying to convey that, like, high, high second-round pick. Like, he would be the first pick of the second round, last pick of the first round at this point. Like, if you look at a redraft, he's going easily, like, tough 20. But you know teams value based on different things and stuff like that like i i think for these players the price is going to be surprising it'll probably be a lot lower than we're actually saying on the pod but just speculating that's probably we're, we're probably closer to their true value than even the teams are going to be um yeah but now to kind of turn to st louis here i wanted to get into for a second our friends at through the island podcast talked about tarasenko quite a bit on their pod this week you know, I, I've always thought the God's plan was get Tarasenko to Long Island. It kills me to this day that we did not make that trade last summer and send Beauvillier to St. Louis. Yeah. Tarasenko has very sketchy medicals. He has, like, three—he's had three surgeries on his arm, but he said personally, like, that the third one was the one he needed. The first two were just, like, minor touch-ups. He is such a baller. Like, just to throw him with Barzal, like, that is, you know, he'd be playing the Wallstrom role at such a level that Long Island has never seen as a winger. Like, our whole career at Islanders fans, as Islanders fans, who's the best winger you've ever seen? I'll, I'll throw this to the panel quick. The best winger for the New York Islanders in your lifetime has been who? Because I'd say 40-goal undersley. lay. That's all I've got. Like, AJ, what do, you, what do you have? Who's the best winger for the Islanders over the past, like, 10 years?
0: You could say Anders Lee, uh, his – that year he was really good, but it still doesn't move me. Uh, I think Oliver Walsh moves when Oliver Walsh snipes a goal, that that will fucking move you. What Tarasenko can do is incredible. Uh, but back to your question – best winger we've had since Jason Blake. Obviously, we have the greatest goal scorer of all time. Well, maybe not anymore, but we had Bossy, who was one of the best goal scorers of all time. Rest in peace to a legend. But, hey, Bossy, you got Jason Blake, obviously. Uh, he had like a 40 or 50 goal year out of nowhere one year. I believe it was 06. Then you go to Lee's 40 goal year, but Andres- like Andres Lee is a great player, don't get me wrong, but the uh, what's it? the uh, deflections, great goals, and a goal is a goal, but nothing will get you out of your seat and more excited than like a Vladimir Tarasenko absolute snipe show. We haven't seen that. We've seen flashes of that from Wallstrom. That's what we want. That's what we've been asking for. That's what we were hoping for with Gaudreau, with Panarin, with Mark Stone. I know Mark Stone more of a two-way player, but Mark Stone still has a very good shot. No one's gonna say. No one's gonna hear. No one here's gonna say Mark Stone does not have a good shot. Um, you can give Everly a shout. I don't. I really never liked Everly, but uh, he was a good winger for a long time. Not to be rude to Jordan Everly, he's incredible now, but he was kind of an empty calorie point player. He never really dominated games outside of the Pittsburgh series. We never seen a real winger like that, and I'm hoping that could be Oliver Wallstrom. but. I mean, we really have never seen a Vladimir Tarasenko in our lifetime outside of Jason Blake, and I was, like, five.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll kick it over to Jake in a second, so I, I don't want to hold you there, Jacob. But, like, basically, what I, I'd say Lee. I, I mean, I was just limiting that to kind of our lifetime as Islanders fans, and for me, it's, like, Lee or Mammals and uh Eb Slander, I, I don't appreciate that, AJ. I, I think he was perfectly serviceable in that role. But I think the thing about Wallstrom at this point is like you're playing NHL career mode and he has that third line like potent or he has like first line potential and third line talent at this point, or second line talent, and you're just playing him up in the lineup to get gas his numbers. But like he 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 should be a little lower in the lineup. I don't think he's like a first line winger at this point.
0: No. And it scares me. I love Oliver Walsh. He's one of the first prospects that I really saw break out and that I've loved. Obviously, Dobson's up there and Barzal's up there. But, you know, Oliver Walsh like, holy shit, this guy, he's him. He's going to be the best winner we'll probably ever see. No, it hasn't been that. He's The thing I will give him, though, he's maturing a lot. You can't take him off the first line to do, you know... He's not He's not even stat-padding on the first line, really. He has, I believe, 16 points and He has, like, 14 points in 30 games, so he's a little bit under a point... uh, Under half a point per game, which that's fine. He's getting chemistry with Barzal, which is very important for the future, because this guy is supposed to be our future in Oliver Wallstrom, and I back him. I still back him. But he's maturing as a player. You can see his, you know... I hockey IQ is growing. His play on the puck is better. His play off the puck's been better. He's been a lot better all around, and that's very important in growing a a young hockey player. And we know the offensive (laughs) tools are there. It's a little raw as Ryan is rolling around in his room (laughs) because he just hates Oliver Walsham so much, apparently. But uh, I'm, I'm not on the
1: trolley.
0: He's not on the Wally trolley. I'm on
1: the trolley. Something just fell. Um. My mouse <laughs> fell off my desk again. Um, yeah, no, AJ,
0: finish your point there. I was basically done. Uh, I back Oliver Wolkroom.
1: Okay. Yeah, no, he's he's the best forward we've drafted since Barzal, um, easily. Like, he he's there. And I, I agree with you. I think under Lane, he has a lot less pressure on him. Like, under trots trots treated him like a like a prisoner and an enemy of state uh <laughs> so it was just like he, he was under shackles on un- always in handcuffs under trots now he gets to play a little bit his game under lane he, he'll show up like really well every third game he'll have a good game and then he'll have a mediocre game but you know it, it's also because his third line mate at all times is going to be a passenger like it's the Barzal and wally's tr- show and then the third guy on that line is always going to be like just mediocre until we can find a winger but jake i just wanted to kick the initial question back to you quick best islanders winger of your lifetime you could either say just like one season or like just overall i'm gonna go to go with trent hunter no,
2: i'm just kidding I um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 i will say i wasn't even thinking about this but you you said his name matt molson in 2011 was incredible i know we played the Tavares, but. uh Matt Molson was one of my favorite Islanders. owners. Uh sixty nine points in eighty two games. He was awesome. I was so upset that they traded him. Um to Thomas Vanek, who winner did nothing. Um nonetheless, uh Lee Eberlee, I, I was a huge Eberle fan. Uh the end was rough. Uh, the bubble was just so frustrating with him. But uh Matt Molson was one of my favorite islanders. But we've had some pretty good ones. Lee was good,
1: uh Hudson Fashion, uh, you know yeah some more uh rat martin lore on the podcast quick so growing up my pops is a rangers fan um and my i, I love my dad my dad's a great dude uh but he's a rangers fan this is one defect and we'll, we'll go to islanders rangers games together about the first hockey game that or the second hockey game we went to islanders versus devils once and then we went to islanders rangers back in 2011 and I went to the game with my dad, and my uncle is an Islanders fan. He's from the the Bronx, but he grew up an Islanders fan because he loved the dynasty. It let him get a taste of winning growing up. He always bought me cheap Islanders tickets, and we always went to games together when I was a kid. Um, and it was, it was really cool. He would always take me out to UBS, me, and him. But um, what happened was I went into the game in a Ryan McDonough t-shirt because my dad bought me that for the Rangers. I didn't have a hockey allegiance, really. I just had that one t-shirt. And then I go into the game, Matt Molson scores two goals against the Rangers, and my uncle goes and buys me a Matt Molson t-shirt. And then I wind up wearing that. Matt Molson becomes my favorite player. I absolutely love Molson. And then from there on, me and my uncle would just go to Islanders games. We went to, like, four or five every year for uh, the rest of my kind of childhood there. So that was really cool. And I I love the fact that Matt Molson made me into an Islanders fan.
0: Were you there when— We saw Matt Molson at the Islander game the other
1: month or week. I don't believe so, or I feel like that might have been something where you saw Matt Molson and then I met up with you after the period or something. No, that was with me, and that was the Flyer game. It was the Wally game. So I met Matt Molson, too, and then he didn't.
2: He probably was there, but they didn't show him. Of what,
0: Maddie Moe, uh, Ryan's favorite player.
1: Yeah, made me an Islanders fan. There would be no Ram Martin without, uh, without Matt Molson. I'd be just like a, probably another annoying, uh, probably successful Rangers Twitter account and very annoying or something. But thank God that didn't happen. Um, so I get to use my powers for good and stay on Isles Twitter with the rest of the homies.
2: Matt Molson was my second Islander jersey. Uh, what was your first? Mike
0: Conner. Oh, okay. Christ, nice, nice. Mike Conner—that's yeah. a name and a half. Yeah. Yeah, my. Favorite. Yeah, my my
1: my first was Tavares, and uh, yeah. Nerd.
0: Basic. Bitch. Uh, but, uh, but anyway,
1: off Tarasenko. Uh, just real quick, while we wrap up trade targets. Um. A guy we saw against when we played Arizona, I believe he played. I didn't really notice him out there, but Jacob Chikrin, um, Just a good option to strengthen up the left side of the defense. Romano has been really good as an Islander. He'll have a bad game every once in a while, as we saw against Arizona. Where do you sit on Chickren at the moment? Would you be interested in trading for him?
0: He's been awesome since he returned. He's been really, really good. I thought he was pretty good against us. I don't I don't think he was like, you know, oh, my God, Jacob Chickren. But he, you know, he used his size very well. He bodied on his lee. He played good defensively. And he had that one offensive break where it was like, holy shit, this guy looks absolutely legit. He didn't score off it, but I thought he was just going to rip it right right past Sorokin with how that game was going. It was off the uh, faceoff. He just broke it and looked looked Bobby Orr-esque, some would say.
1: Yeah, I want to say with Jikran a lot of the time. So this might be a really, really hot take, but I'll go for it here. Um, so the thing I think this year that happens, I don't know what team does it, but I think when you trade for Jacob Jikran, he becomes your Chris Pronger on the 2010 Flyers. Ooh. I think whoever... Ooh. What's
0: up? Ooh, that's hot. Continue.
1: Yeah, so I think, I think he's such a goal-scoring defenseman that whatever team adds him, be it the Islanders, be it Toronto... Be it LA Kings, he's going to be so good in the playoffs as a goal-scoring defenseman that he's going to be able to propel that team to at least a conference finals. So I think whoever gets him is very blessed and very lucky to have him. I think the plan right now of being Pelik and Romanov as the top two on the left side seems locked in. I don't think we're going to go for a number one left-handed defenseman. But he's just such a good goal-scoring defenseman. Like, it's him, McCarr, Fox. And then just as pure goal scorers, Yossi, too. But, like, from the younger generation, I don't think there's anything like anyone else. And you get him for three more years. Like, I think that's such an immediate impact. Like, I think Toronto is going to trade for him at the end of the day because his cap hits low. They could have Arizona retained half. You give up, like, Nick, or Nick Robertson, couple firsts or something like the needle will move there eventually, but he's just such a good goal-scoring defenseman that I think any team would want him. It's, it's literally like having... If the Islanders could have two Noah Dobsons, you'd, you'd immediately do it. Like, it, it seems smart to do, but I don't think what the hell the Islanders' DNA and makeup is that we'd go for it.
0: He's also better than Noah Dobson. Just cause, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think that was a hot take. But, uh... Defensively, Noah Dobson really needs to improve. It's not it's not like, oh my god, we got to scratch Noah Dobson. His offensive game is still incredible and the best offensive defenseman I've ever seen in my life. And he's only 22. He's still growing into his body, so I'm not really worried with him. But defensively, he needs to get stronger, figure some things out. And he will. He's very young, and I'm not worried. But Jacob Chickren's a lot better in his end.
1: Yeah, and just on my primary take, that you said it was hot. I, I don't think there's many teams that he wouldn't be a, the best left-handed defenseman or best offensive defenseman on that team. Like, just going over young guys, it's Fox, McCarr, uh, McAvoy, obviously, is great. But, like... There's so many teams like if you plop him on Toronto instead of Morgan Riley, are you kidding me? That team with Jacob Shikran, that'd be absolutely insane. Like any team that has the assets to go out and get him should be going out to get him right now because I thought the injury was going to hamper him. But I think he has like six or seven goals since coming back in like 20 games. Like, dude is insane. Like, I guess Dolan's probably in that tier too, but I don't know if the Sabres are, like, as much of a playoff team this year. But I think when you add him, that immediate impact of scoring from the back end is going to help you so much in a playoff run. Okay. Yeah, so I, I see him as, like, our generation's maybe Pronger, but Pronger's, like, top five defenseman all-time or something, so uh, prob- probably not that hot, but, like, I think, like, him on the Flyers at the end of his career where he was able to just come in and make a team that was, like, borderline into a finals, like, team, I, I think that's kind of what I see out of Chikrin.
0: Hey, 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 respect Daniel Briere, my GOAT. I love Danny Briere. I mean... Dolin is very much clear of Jacob Chickren. He's playing hurt right now, still, and Dolly is incredible. But um, who's better, Jacob Chickren or Miro Heisen? We got to wrap up the pod soon too, because it's three, and I we all have to be up in seven hours to watch a pretty important soccer game.
1: Yeah, the World Cup final itself. Uh, I would take. Miro just on health, but, like, when they're both... Like, if you take Shikran's best season, like, that's Fox and Makar level shit. I
0: wouldn't say Makar level. Makar level's... I mean, yeah, Fox won a Norris, to be fair. I think he's still a step... Even his best season's still a step below that, because, you know, Norris, obviously, and gener- best defensive since Bobby Orr and Kale Makar. The pronger take makes sense. I agree with it more now that you explained it obviously I'm a Chris huge Chris Pronger guy and Jacob Chickren he does have some you know resemblance of Chris Pronger with his size, his offensive ability I wish he had more Uh, he might, I don't really know too much about Chickren uh, funny enough I know the island has been linked to him forever now we're not getting him in my opinion I don't think he has that fuck you persona that Pronger does which is wise I love him so much because he wouldn't take shit from no one I don't know too much about Chikrin's play like that. I need to watch Arizona more. But it's kind of tough when the Islanders are playing every other night now. I don't know. Uh, he's one of the best defensemen. I don't hate that take as much as I did when you first said it. I'll leave it at that.
1: Sounds good. Yeah, no, that's fine. That That's just kind of been my take on him for a while now. That whoever adds him is getting a great app.
0: Well, yeah, of course it's going to be a great ad, but Chris Pronger-level ad, that's a tall task. And, it, I mean, with Toronto, it could work.
1: He I could mean, like, Needle Mover ad. Okay. Like, that, yeah, that would yeah. move the needle enough to get Toronto or get... I'm just trying to think of teams that are kind of on the borderline right now. Like let's say, just thinking out west, uh, LA, like LA as Jacob Kicker there, I think that brings them to a conference final. Um, Vegas, that would get Vegas to the conference final. I don't think they can do it. They'd have to move hell to get him cap-wise, but yeah, I, I think that whoever gets him would get to a conference final like right off the bat in the next two or three years, so I don't know. I think he's an awesome player. I think he moves the needle right away.
0: Yes, i do I genuinely if Vegas goes out and makes another blockbuster, they need to have a serious conversation with someone. They can't, they they can't make another blockbuster. They just can't. They can't. I mean, it worked. They're in first place, so fair enough, I guess. Fuck me, but you can't go out and get Jacob Chicken. You just cannot add every star player that's on the market. Also, their owner
1: just bought Bournemouth too. Big investment there.
0: Yeah. I hope Mark Stone's okay. I know we came back, but towards the timeout, he looked pretty banged up again, so we'll see.
1: Yeah, I love Mark Stone. I hope he's healthy.
0: I think that's gonna wrap it. Do we have anything else we wanna talk about?
1: Uh just quick, really, really quick here. World Cup final picks. I got France tomorrow morning. I got three two, one for Messi, one for Alvarez, but France is too strong and wins in the extra time.
0: Uh two one. Giroud Mbappé and we'll go Alvarez.
2: And Jake got, got World Cup. I got two in Argentina. Uh Messi with the goal. Alvarez. This yeah, is very basic. Um, I'll go Alvarez. Um Messi and I got uh Canante with a score a header for France. Hell yeah, brother. Um but yeah, I think that'll wrap
0: us up. <laughs> uh is Canate even gonna play? I don't know, I
1: don't know, it doesn't matter Everyone's sick on France apparently, we'll see what
0: happens Everyone's sick everywhere But with that, it is episode 68 Of Skates at the Stakes Hope you guys enjoyed, if you did make sure to leave a 5 star rating down below You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram At Skates and Stakes You can follow me on Twitter at DeVito Hockey. You can follow Jake On Twitter at PrimeJake You can follow Ryan on Twitter at RatMartin Hope you guys enjoyed It is now 3am and I am going to bed Good night everyone